You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Friday edition of the podcast. I hope you all are doing well, having a great day wherever you're tuning in from. A lot to be excited about. BYU getting ready for their bowl game against UCF this coming Tuesday down there in Boca Raton, Florida. I will actually be in attendance at that game, folks. I'm looking forward to covering it. Should be a fun time down in the sun ahead of Christmas. Looking forward to that. If you guys are going to the game, we'll examine that coming up early next week. But today's edition of the podcast is a very special edition. And what I mean is we are going to be joined by Jim McMahon, the Hall of Fame quarterback himself, the guy who engineered the greatest comeback in BYU football history in my mind, the 1980 Miracle Bowl. Tomorrow, December 19th, 1980, will mark the 40-year anniversary of of that game. Of course, BYU storming back in the final minutes down there at Jack Murphy Stadium, or what was then Jack Murphy Stadium, to stun SMU on a Hail Mary. Going to talk with Jim McMahon about that and also talk a little, just a little bit about his experience at BYU overall and get some thoughts on Zach Wilson and the current iteration of the Cougars from him as well. So a lot to get to on a Friday. It's all brought to you today by our good friends over at Built Go. We'll tell you a little bit more, little bit more about them later on in today's podcast. All right, without further ado, let's waste no more time and get into it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for December 18th, 2020. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking some time to download your daily podcast focused on all things BYU with us here. Make sure if you haven't done so already to hit that follow or subscribe button. Some of you may be tuning in for the first time because of our featured guest, Jim McMahon. Welcome in. We aim to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you guys need to know about each and every day and appreciate you guys taking the time to join us on Locked on Cougars. What you just heard right there is the final play of BYU's comeback in the 1980 Holiday Bowl. And this is a podcast that I am super excited for and I've been looking forward to doing for some time now. It hit me, I believe this is probably in October, that the 40-year anniversary of the Holiday Bowl was coming up. And you said, I said, you know what? We're going to go out and see if we can get somebody like Jim McMahon to speak about the game and reminisce on it with us. And you know what? To his everlasting credit, Jim agreed to do it and looking forward to the conversation you're going to hear just in a moment. Had an opportunity to speak with him one-on-one about a momentous occasion in BYU history that the 40th anniversary of is coming up tomorrow officially. December 19, 1980, BYU played at Jack Murphy Stadium in the third edition of the Holiday Bowl. Like I said, it was a young bowl game, only in its third year, but it featured the SMU Mustangs, the Pony Express Mustangs, with both Eric Dickerson and Craig James in their backfield, against the upstart BYU Cougars, who were going into this game ranked number 14 in the AP poll, number 15 in the coaches poll. SMU, to their credit, were ranked 19th in both of the polls. And this game 
any of you who have watched the replay of it or happen to see it live, and we're going to talk about how my connection to it is here in a moment with Jim McMahon. You'll hear a little bit about that. But this game is one of the best comebacks in BYU history, if not the greatest comeback in Cougar history, and also one of the greatest comebacks in college football history, period. This game featured it all. SMU racing out to a big lead early on. Jim McMahon rallying the troops and bringing his team back to win in thrilling fashion on a Hail Mary on the final play of the game. I know the extra point ultimately won the game for BYU 46-45, but regardless, with just about four minutes left in the game, the Mustangs scored to take a 45-25 lead. BYU uh, had a bunch of people thinking, okay, this game's over. You know what? We're going to go do our thing. And my father was among them. Yes, my dad, Nathan Hatch, uh, grew up going to the Holiday Bowl. And he's told me this story often of this game in particular. He had gone down with my grandfather, as well as some other family members, to San Diego to watch this game. They are playing some golf along the way. But during this game, my dad went outside Jack Murphy Stadium. Think about that to this day, about how different things are now. And was actually playing catch, uh, playing with his friends outside the stadium when he started hearing the cheers from the crowd. And I'm going to talk with Jim McMahon about this here in a moment. But my dad walked back into the stadium right as the comeback was on for BYU. The Cougars marched down the field, and in a it was two minutes and 33 seconds left in the game. BYU rallied with 21 unanswered points, 27 overall points in the fourth quarter to win this game 46 to 45. I can't express how crazy of a game this was. Um, any of you who played NCAA football, there was a version of it, and I forget what year it was, but they called them the College Classic Series, where you tried to recreate great moments in college football history, and the Holiday Bowl, this Miracle Bowl game, was among them. The challenge begins with you playing as BYU, trailing 45-25 to 25 with, I think, yeah, 2 minutes and 33 seconds to go, and you have to score 21 points and win this game. I'm not going to lie. I probably tried that challenge in particular, I'd say hundreds of times, never pulled it off. That's how remarkable this comeback was in real life. Uh, BYU got the benefit of a punt return touchdown by Vice Sikahema early in this game. Also had an onside kick that they recovered. Just some crazy things happened in this game, and BYU was capable of winning it. And it remains as one of the greatest comebacks, both in BYU and college football history overall. And that's why I said, you know what? The Friday edition ahead of this game, because I knew that the 19th was going to be on a Saturday. I said on the Friday edition of this podcast, I am going to go out and try and get a guy like Jim McMahon to speak about this. And you know what? It worked out. And I, man, in my career, there have been a lot of people I have talked to in the media that have just been phenomenal and been very gracious with their time, and Jim McMahon is right up there among them. was great to talk to, and you're going to hear the entirety of our conversation here in a moment, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. It was a great time. We talked a lot about this game, about the comeback, his perceptions of it, uh, the famous uh, him telling off the coaches and the rest of the team about the punt team coming on the field and him telling them, I'm not coming off the field. We're going for it here on 4th 
down. You're going to hear him talk about that. You're going to hear him talk about the Hail Mary that he threw to Clay Brown to win this game and how remarkable of a throw he thought it was when Clay Brown came down with that to win the game. Just a marvelous conversation. So I'm going to get out of the way now, and I will be part of the podcast the rest of the way, but the real star is Jim McMahon. Excited to have him on the podcast here momentarily. But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Built Go. Love this company. Built Go is a packet. It's a 1.5 ounce packet that is helping everybody, and I mean this sincerely, break through your walls. Whether they're physical or mental, Built Go wants to be the answer for you. If you're a guy who likes to have a nice pre-workout, these have been phenomenal additions for me when I go to the gym. But even if you're a guy who just has that mid-afternoon lull where it feels like you're falling asleep at your desk, Built Go is the answer for you guys. It's got a kick of caffeine to get you going, but then the B vitamins packed into it as well as the collagen protein and the other good stuff in there give you that long-lasting energy. It's the five-hour energy burst, but without the crash afterwards. That is what is phenomenal about this. You can go to BuiltGo.com learn more about it. They have three distinct flavors, all of them delicious, and I would encourage you guys to make it part of your daily staple, especially if you have walls that you're trying to break through. I do with my early morning sports radio responsibilities, recording podcasts late at night. I have to say mid-afternoons for me are some of the toughest times of the day. BuiltGo has been a phenomenal addition to my diet and helped me break through that wall. Once again, go to BuiltGo.com. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. Save yourself 20% on your next order at BuiltGo.com. It's a great way to save some money on a fantastic product. Check them out now at BuiltGo. Remember, use that promo code LOCKED. And let's go with BuiltGo. Pleased now to speak with Jim McMahon, the former BYU All-American and, of course, Super Bowl champion with the Chicago Bears. Jim, thank you for taking the time. How are you, sir? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, hey, first off, the 40-year anniversary of the Holiday Bowl is here, and 1980, obviously, that game, many BYU fans who were living and went to that game will remember it fondly forever. Can I get some of your guys' initial thoughts and what you remember of that momentous game? Well, I remember we won. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the big thing. I mean, uh, BYU hadn't won a bowl game up to that point, and I'm sure everybody that was there didn't think we were going to win that night either. So it was a special night. I was glad to be a part of the, the first bowl victory for BYU. I wanted to ask you, we'll, we'll talk more about some of the nuts and bolts of this game here in a moment, but I want to ask you about the Hail Mary right off the top. When you threw that pass to Clay Brown, did you know that he had caught it right away? Uh, I had no idea. I, I saw five, I think it was about five white jerseys go up with Clay, and that's that's about all I could see. I didn't know, uh, you know who had the ball or what until they all you know, got got unpiled and, and Clay's lay laying there going, I was not giving I was not letting that ball go until the ref got me because they were they were trying to pull it out of his hands that whole time. So you you found out essentially when the referees put their arms, I assume then. Correct. Okay. Uh this game, most people call it one of the greatest comebacks in college football history, might quite possibly one of the greatest period in especially in bowl history. There is a legendary story, and I'll, I'll give you more of the background on my personal connection to this game here in a moment, but there's a legendary story of you yelling at the fans in the stands to stay at the game. Is that a true story? Uh, I don't know what I was yelling at them. <laughs> <laughs> Fair I enough. I don't remember all that part, but uh, I do remember, I, you know, a lot of, I mean, the vast majority of, of people left that stadium. and it, it probably couldn't have been a quarter full by the time that, that game ended. 
Absolutely. There's also, I, I've talked to Vice Kahema about this, one of your teammates on that team, and he has told me that uh, you, in not so many words, told the punt team at one point to get off the field because you guys are going for it on a fourth down. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, had we had we punted there, we had no shot. And that's what I tried to relay to the uh, to the offense because I remember I said, hey, here comes the punting team. I said, get in the huddle. So we're not coming off the field. And uh, Lavelle had to take a timeout because I wasn't coming out. And I, when I came over the sidelines, and I, uh, I don't remember the exact words, but uh, it was something like, what are you guys giving up? You quit. I said, we kick now. We got no shot. I said, why, why not go for it? You know, we're down 20. Who cares at this point? But I, I, I'm not going out by giving up. Well, it's a legendary story in that, right? Of course, you guys scored 21 points in the final two minutes and 33 seconds. What uh, what about that team made you feel like, you know what, we can give this a shot and we can make the comeback happen? Well, the, the spark to me was Vice punt return late in the first half. Uh, you know, we we weren't doing anything offensively. I wasn't, I wasn't playing very well at all. I, I had a very full poor first half, but uh, you know, Vi ran that kickback right at the end of the half, and that gave me some life. I'm like, here, here's a freshman kid. You know, he hasn't given up yet, so I'm not going to either, and uh, that's the way it went from then on. After the game, what uh, do you remember of the celebration, etc.? I don't remember a whole lot of it. I remember my dad uh, made it down on the field. We We were together for quite a while there but uh, I don't remember the you know everything after that was kind of a blur you know once Kurt Guppet came in and kicked the extra point everybody went crazy and uh, you know it was, it was just a big relief I know for especially for Lavelle to finally get his first win yeah, so I told you I'd tell you my personal connection to this game. So my father and grandfather grew up, and of course the Holiday Bowl, I believe that was the third Holiday Bowl that had ever been played, and seemingly for a decade and a half there, BYU played in San Diego at the Holiday Bowl every single year. So it became a Hatch family tradition for my for my grandfather and my dad. They would leave, they lived in Utah Valley, so they would leave Utah Valley, pick up my my grandfather's brother-in-law in in St. George. They'd play around a golf in St. George, then make the drive to San Diego, play golf, go to the Holiday Bowl, play another round of golf, and then then come home. So a long-winded kind of statement here on that, but my dad of the 1980 Holiday Bowl, what he remembers, he was a teenager at that point. And as you mentioned, a lot of the fans had left the stands. They just kind of said, you know what, this game's over. Let's let's get on with our day, etc." Well, he was playing catch outside the stadium with some buddies of his they had met at the game. And as you guys started to mount that comeback, he started hearing people cheering in the stands. He walked back in with about, I think he said, just under a minute to go when you guys got that ball back for the very last time. And he said, he'll never forget that Hail Mary. Well, the, the first two plays we ran before that were quite unforgettable. But, uh, you know, we got the ball back with 18 seconds, I think it was. Time for at least three plays. And uh, I think I think I just threw the ball through the end zone on the first one. And then threw a terrible pass to Clay Brown on the second one. Thank God it was a bad pass because if he had <laughs> caught it, time probably would have ran out. And then the, the final play, of course, is just one of those, you know, everybody gets your butt in the end zone, and, and uh, if you can't catch it, tip it. And the amazing thing was the only guy who actually touched that ball was Clay. 
of, of all those hands that went up for it, it, it went right into Clay's hands. And it's, uh, so somebody obviously wanted us to win that game. <laughs> did you, when you threw that pass, did it feel like, okay, this is, this is right on the money? Well, I was just throwing to a spot. I just wanted to make sure I got it into the end zone. You know, you don't want to throw a Hail Mary that comes up five yards short. So I just made sure I, I gave it enough. I threw it as high as I could throw it. And, uh, and it came down about, you know, five yards deep in the end zone. So it's, uh, worked out great. It worked out just like, like we practiced it every day for the five years I was there. We used to run that play and the practice every time. And it finally had to use it. There you go. Part one of my conversation with Jim McMahon about the 1980 Holiday Bowl. Some great thoughts from him reminiscing on one of the great moments in BYU football history. The first bowl win in program history. Just a a lot of things to go over with that. But I also wanted to talk with Jim about his time at BYU. There are some legendary stories about him as a Cougar, as a student, etc. Going to talk about that with him here in just a moment. And also get some thoughts from him on the current BYU football program. What does he make of a guy like Zach Wilson potentially becoming the first Cougar since Jim McMahon himself to be drafted in the first round as a quarterback out of BYU? We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. I do need to ask, though, for one second before we do that to leave us a rating and review on this podcast. Your guys' support this year has been absolutely marvelous. We have reached heights that we have not seen before with this podcast, and it's all credit to you, the listeners. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a rating and review, especially if you're listening in on Apple Podcasts and still the large majority of you are using Apple Podcasts to listen to the show. Leave us a five-star rating, a sentence or two what you like about the show. It's as simple as that. It doesn't take but a moment to do it and we thank you for your support of the podcast and appreciate you guys continuing to listen every day to us here and myself on Locked on Cougars. Continuing on here with Jim McMahon. And Jim, I wanted to turn attention to your experience as a BYU Cougar. You obviously played high school football here in the state of Utah up there at Roy High School. But my first question for you, what was the reasoning behind you wanting to go to BYU? Well, they, their offense, for one, uh, they, they was still the best offense that I've, I'd ever played in. Uh, they also said I could play baseball, which I wanted to do. That's the only thing I really wanted to do was play baseball. And of all the schools that I went to, it was either BYU or Nevada, Las Vegas. It said I could play both sports. So that was that was the two schools that I was uh, the most interested in at the time. And my dad wouldn't let me go to Vegas. That's why I had to end up at BYU. That's actually where I wanted to go was UNLV. Um, they offered me they offered me a pretty good deal to come play football, go to school there. So I came home and said, "Pops, I'm going to Vegas." And he said, "No, it's it's not a big enough school." I think he was worried about me making it to the next level. And I said, look, I'll, I'll get to the next level, but I, you know, I want to, I want to enjoy college life like everybody else does or all my friends have done. And, uh, but he, he just said, no, I couldn't go to Vegas. So that's how I ended up at BYU, (laughs) but it worked out. It did. Uh, during your time at BYU, what was the reputation of the school like based on what you understood of it? Because obviously you played high school football in the state of Utah, but your understanding before going to BYU and then once you were done, what was how different was your understanding? Uh, uh, from what I remember, I mean, uh, we were we were told that you know we would we would be approached about the church about you know 
their teachings and everything else. And he said, if you, you know, it's up to you, you can either, uh, you know, go and, and do those things or, or do what you want. So I didn't, uh, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in church or, or even campus for that matter. <laughs> I, I was there for five years the original time and didn't graduate so that tells you how much class I went to <laughs> I, did, I didn't graduate till five five or six years ago so it took me 37 years to get a diploma but glad it's over now I remember uh, when you did graduate you credited Tom Homo with being persistent and getting you to graduate along with your father were they probably the two most influential people in finally getting that diploma yeah, that and, and Lavelle as well. Um, I had seen Lavelle at a few different things over the years, and he kept telling me, "Hey, you got to get you got to get this diploma." He goes, "Your your name deserves to be up on that stadium." He goes, "He goes, get it done." He goes, "I don't have a whole lot of time left." And uh, I said, "Okay, coach, I'll, I'll get it done." And uh, luckily, I I did it just before he passed. So uh, at least he got to see that. Yeah, how how meaningful do you think that was for you personally to finally get that done and have Lavelle there when you finally finished it? Well, it was nice. I mean, it was uh, it was great that actually the, a lot of the older uh, QBs came back. Uh, Gifford Nielsen, who was mm-hmm. on a uh, on a mission, I think at the time, and he was able to get uh, permission to come back for that. Uh, Mark Wilson was there. Um, uh, Clay Brown came in. I mean, I got to see a bunch of my old teammates, which was great. It was a great weekend. The the run that Lavelle had with you guys like Gifford Nielsen, Mark Wilson, and also Steve Young after you on on through Ty Detmer. Do you think that will ever be rivaled in terms of the caliber of quarterbacks that Lavelle produced? Well, he did. He had a good string there, but like I said, it's it's all about the offense. Uh, if you've got a good system, you know, you, your quarterback, if, if he's got half a brain, can can do good things. I mean, it's that's a very quarterback-friendly offense. And if, uh, you know, you have any talent and you've got a brain, you know, you can put up some big numbers. And, and they have done that for, for hell, the last 40 years, it seems like. Have you watched much of BYU recently? No. No, I actually caught a little bit of the game uh, the other night. Okay. So that, that they lost. Yeah. So Zach Wilson, uh, of course, he's being talked about as a potential first round draft pick in this upcoming NFL draft. And that would make him the first BYU quarterback since yourself to be drafted in the first round. I know you said you've seen a limited amount of them, but did you see enough from him that you thought, OK, this kid's got something? Well, I'm, the little bit I saw, yeah, he's got, you know, he's got a good athletic ability. Seems to be I don't know how big he is. Uh, but he's got plenty of arm, and he's got. It looks like he's got some a good thought process when he's back there. He, you know, progression read stuff like that. Looks like he's he knows what he's doing. So I'm sure he'll he'll go well in the draft. But you know, the higher you go in the draft, the worse the teams are. So <laughs> good luck with that. Well, there's been some speculation out there he might go to the Bears just like yourself. Well, that could be an option. I mean, the, the way the Bears are going right now is not looking too good. How important is it? You you played for a long time in the NFL there. How important is it to have the right system around you as a quarterback? That's that's the most important. You know, you don't have a you don't have a system. What you know? What what are you doing there? 
I was uh, – my system in Chicago, I was I was bored to death. I mean, all we did was run, 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 a few play-action passes. I mean, it was just – it was not uh, not what I had just come from. That's for damn sure. And every, every other place that I went to, other than maybe the Green Bay Packers in my last year, uh, I was there with Mike Holmgren, another BYU alum, uh, and he was still throwing the ball around like we did at BYU. So that would have been a funner, funner place to play. With the Packers, you were backing up far, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay, so there's a famous story about Favre, and I know it doesn't involve you directly, but it involves Ty Detmer, another former BYU quarterback. Allegedly, uh, Brett Favre went to Ty and asked him, okay, what is a nickel defense? Have you heard this story? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so but I'm sure I'm sure it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to ask you. Brett seems to have been just a, a savant without knowing a lot. If that makes sense, I know that's a very weird term to use, but he seemed to understand the game intrinsically, whereas he didn't know necessarily the nuts and bolts and all of the details when it came to football. Uh, he was, uh, you know, Holmgren would look at me and say, "Why did he do that?" I'm like. I don't know. I've been I've been here a year. You've been here with him for four. I don't know why he did it, but uh, yeah, he was uh, he just loved to play. Uh, you know, I think he figured it out towards the end of his career, uh, basically what the defenses were doing. But other than that, I think he just you know he just grab it and throw it to wherever he wanted to throw it. Uh, but yeah, he had a hell of a career. He's a great competitor and uh, a lot of fun. To, a lot of fun to be on his team. BYU, when you were playing there, that offense seemed to be light years ahead of anything else in college football in particular. When you got to the NFL, how long before you realized how advanced BYU's offense had been? Uh, the first day I saw the playbook. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't take long. I mean, it wasn't uh, – it's not rocket scientists. You know, they talk about BYU having a complicated passing game. There's nothing – complicated about it if you understand you know what everybody does you know you got five guys you know on the offense all they can do is block and so the defense can send at least one more than you can block and if you can figure out who that one guy is it's it's like shooting fish in a barrel and so it's it's not that complicated a system it's just somebody's got to figure out you know and, and what was great about BYU is that I remember on Fridays, or it was always the day before the game or night before the game, they would give us, you know, these little quizzes, you know, five-question five quiz. And they would have the linemen draw up the receivers' routes and the backs blocking in routes and stuff like that. And, the, and the, all the receivers and backs had to draw up the blocking assignments to the line. So that put everybody on the same page. Every, everybody understood why they were doing what they were doing because everybody understood the whole offense. And that doesn't happen anywhere other than I think at BYU. I've read a book. It was a biography that Steve Young wrote. I was, I guess, partially autobiography talking about his time in the NFL and just his career as a quarterback. He credits you with being the guy that really taught him how to throw the football. Is that true? Well, I don't know if I taught him. I think I showed him how to hold the ball or I showed him how I, how I held the ball. Okay. Uh, other than that, I think he was just, you know, he, he was a sponge. I mean, he soaked up a lot of knowledge and, and, uh, you know, athletically he's, he's as gifted as anybody to play. Uh, but he, he struggled mentally there for a while. I mean, I think they, they even tried to make him a safety at one point. Mm-hmm. 
because he was having trouble, you know, picking up blitzes. And uh, but and I guess it turned out okay. He's in the, he's in the Hall of Fame, so <laughs> I would say it turned out all right. Uh, by the way, to this day, could you still recite some of the plays you ran at BYU? <sighs> well, they weren't that. They weren't that hard. The, the <laughs> formations were colors. I remember red and white and blue. And, uh, they're very basic calls. Like I would say, red right sixty-five. Okay. And everybody knew what that what that was. I mean, our our passing tree I think went fifties, sixties, seventies. Fifties being three step drops. Sixties were five steps, and sixties uh, were seven step drop. So everybody knew what, like I said before, everybody knew what everybody was doing. And that makes it a hell of a lot more uh, cohesive as an offensive unit, because it only takes one guy on offense to screw up and that messes up the other 10. So yeah, we that was a uh, very smart of, of, I don't know who started doing that because uh, they were doing it when I got there. So uh, that was very, very smart to be able to <clears throat> make everybody you know, on the same page. So they realize exactly what, why they're doing the job they're doing. Well, I believe Mike Leach, he's now at Mississippi state still actually uses some of the original, what you said, formation, the calls, like he, his, his playbook is about as simple as it comes in college football anymore. And he still actually says a lot of it still derives from his time at BYU watching guys like you and Lavelle working together with how simple of a playbook you guys worked with. Yeah. Like I said, it's not complicated. <laughs> It is not that complicated, but but, but most uh, programs or or back then at least they were all running teams, and so younger guys when they got to the NFL had a tough time uh, learning defenses because all they did in, in college was turn around and hand the ball off, and you don't you don't learn anything like that. You got to be able to see and, and watch and and figure out what they're supposed to do when they line up a certain way. Well, Jim, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to chat with me. Look forward to doing it again down the road, and hopefully all is well with you, and have a happy holidays, all right? All right. Same to you, partner. Take care. There you have it, folks. Jim McMahon, the one, the only, and I cannot, I cannot thank him enough for taking time to join us here on the podcast. Make sure to reach out to him on social media and thank him for coming on the show. It is an absolutely marvelous occasion for me to have had an opportunity to speak with him. And I'm not going to lie. I don't get starstruck very often. I got starstruck in that interview. Jim McMahon is a larger-than-life figure in my life, if that makes sense. He's just one of those players, one of those people that I never thought for one second in my life I would ever interview, but I just did. I still have a thousand questions I'd like to ask Jim, and as I said as we closed it out there, we're going to have another conversation, and I'm looking forward to catching up with him again and talking more about his time as a Cougar, maybe get some of the stories of his days at BYU. I didn't necessarily think he wanted to go too much into it, but you heard him talk about the fact that he didn't spend much time in class, so at some point down the road, maybe in the offseason, we'll call Jim up again and have him back on the show, but once again, please reach out to him on social media and thank him for taking the time. Make sure to follow this show on social media as well. Search us out, Locked On Cougars, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My personal Twitter feed, if you'd like to follow me there, is Jacob C. Hatch. Love hearing from you guys and your interactions each and every day. And also feel free to email the show anytime as well. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address for this podcast. All right, look, that's going to do it for this Friday edition of the show. Enjoy BYU versus San Diego State 
in hoops. We'll also continue to get you ready for BYU and UCF in the Roof Claim Boca Raton Bowl on Tuesday as well. Have a great weekend whenever you hear this. Get your Christmas shopping done. It's coming fast, folks, and we will talk to you guys soon enough. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for December 18th, 2020, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Monday.